This is the Activate Podcast with Pastor Christian Newsom. In this week's podcast, anything that competes with the basic Christian commitments of spending time with Jesus every day, being a part of God's church, serving in God's church, giving to the kingdom of God, anything that's in competition with those are places where you could phrase it this way, where maybe Satan sits on a throne. Um, you could say those are places where Satan has a foothold. Thanks for listening to the Activate Podcast, a ministry of Journey Church International. My name is Brandon, and today I will be having a conversation with Pastor Christian about his recent message in our series, Letters from Jesus. This week, we will be taking a closer look at this incredibly fascinating letter to the church at Pergamum found in Revelation chapter 2, verses 12 through 17. Pastor Christian, welcome back to the podcast. You know, each week of our series, Letters from Jesus, we have learned that Jesus is revealed differently in each letter written to the churches in Revelation. To the church at Pergamum, he's revealed as the one who has the sharp, double-edged sword. Uh, We are discovering that Jesus revealed himself to each church differently depending on what that church was dealing with or experiencing. Have you experienced that in your own life? In other words, can you share a couple of examples of various times when Jesus revealed himself differently to you based upon what you are personally experiencing or challenged with at that time? Yeah, I can. You know, I think the more important thing to note is is this. Jesus meets you where you are, right? So, I mean, he he meets each church at a different place because each church is at a different place. Uh, you know, he he meets Ephesus uh, you know, where, where they need to be reminded, hey, don't just do church, um, do, do Christianity, like love me, love other people. Um, last week we saw he met Smyrna where they just needed encouragement because they were, they were suffering. Um, and he said, keep going. Um, this week we look at Pergamum who prided themselves not just on their knowledge, but on, you know, on, on the, the center of knowledge that they were, their library with more than 200,000 scrolls in it, second only to Alexandria um, in the world, given by Mark Antony um, to Cleopatra. He he thought so much of it. That was one of his gifts to another heads of state. Um, so I, I think the more important thing to see is Jesus meets you where you are, whether it's the churches of the book of Revelation, whether it's Zacchaeus in a tree, whether it's the woman by the well, um, whether it's someone caught in adultery, whether it's two fishermen out on their boat, Jesus meets you where you are, and regardless of where you are right now listening to this podcast, Jesus can meet you right where you are. You say, when when has Jesus in my life showed up? Um, when I've asked him to. Every time, every place. In the good times, in the bad times. Usually I ask him to show up in the bad times more than the good times. But if you're asking me, where has Jesus met me? Literally every place that I've asked him to. Uh, he rarely says no. He stands at the door, he knocks, he just needs us to open it uh, and invite him into the room. We talked about that last week during our pastoral worship moment. We ended our worship set with a song that talks about when Jesus walks into the room, it changes everything. And we said, what room of your life do you need to invite Jesus into? What room of your life needs changing that if you would just let Jesus in, he would change everything? So what we learn from these churches is what we learn through the Gospels Jesus meets you right where you are. Pastor Christian, you highlighted Hebrews chapter 4, verses 12 through 13, where the Word of God is compared to a double-edged sword. Um, you stated that edge number one, it's where Jesus guides and directs us. Edge number two is Jesus judges our hearts and holds us accountable. 
And then you gave us a warning. You said, be careful because Satan is fine with a one-edged Christianity because he knows it's not Christianity at all. It's a powerful statement. Can you explain how we can maintain the balance between the two edges of the sword that I just mentioned and avoid a one-sided false type of Christianity? Yeah, so Satan is fine with undeveloped Christianity. Satan is fine with counterfeit Christianity, and if and if he can get us to pursue one side of Christianity rather than the other, it's what he did with Adam and Eve, right? God put Adam and Eve in the garden, um, and he said, "I've given I've given all of this to you for your good pleasure, for your good purpose. Eat it, work it, take care of it. Name the animals." Um, he he gave them one side of life that was full of purpose, and then he gave them one side of life that was full of obedience. But don't do this. And Satan took the one side of life that he, that God gave him and said, let's just focus on this one. Don't you think God wants you to have more? Don't you think God wants you to have life? Like, you can do everything God wants you to do except obey him in that little area, and everything will be okay. Uh, and, and, and since then, we see that, you know, as Jesus told Peter, Satan, he crouches at the door. I mean, he desires to have us. He, he would love to have us. Uh, and if he could get us to just focus on truth and fall in love like like Ephesus did with doctrine, but never reach a person, he wins. If he could get us to fall in love with with outreach and helping the poor, um, but not really care about truth, he wins. So it is what Jesus told John, the, the woman in John chapter 4, you know, you have to worship God in spirit and in truth. You know, spirit is the is the missional, practical, purposeful side, but truth is is what God gives us to walk with him, to know him. And he says, you're going to be accountable to me in that. Uh, so if Satan can get us to just go help the whole world, but not care about God's truth, he wins eternally. Uh, or if Satan can get us to just fall so in love with the word of God that we begin to worship it and never reach another person, he wins eternally. We have to do both to fulfill the mission that God called us to, the great commandment which the church at Ephesus lacked, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, love your neighbor as yourself. And then that great commission that the disciples were given in Matthew 28 that was repeated again in Acts chapter 1, share what you have with the entire world. You have to do both. If you only do one, one major block of people misses out for eternity, and that's what Satan wants. So, Pastor Christian, I was immediately drawn to a statement you made that was actually very timely, at least from my perspective. Last week, Senator John McCain passed away. He was a a POW. He's a war hero. Um, He was willing to put his life on the line for something he believed in. You know, the early Christians were willing to put their life on the line for a person they believed in. Um, You talked about this idea of martyrdom. Um, How is martyrdom the deepest form of witnessing, and and what is the connection to Pergamum? So actually, I I didn't talk a whole lot about martyrdom as much as as I connected what it meant to be a witness, right? We're told that Antipas was the, the faithful witness. It's interesting, the only other person in Revelation described as faithful is Jesus. But Jesus said Antipas, he, my servant Antipas, he was faithful as well. He was a faithful witness. The Greek word for witness is martis, the, the word we get martyr from in our language. And a lot of times the witness of the church was being willing to die for their faith. And it wasn't it wasn't who they were worshiping, but who they weren't worshiping 
that got Christians martyred the mo- most of the time because Rome 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 was fine with you worshiping everything and everyone, right? Rome had all their gods, Rome had all their deities. But really the main one was Caesar. You had to worship Caesar. And where you would get yourself in trouble is if you would not worship Caesar. Um even Jesus was challenged with this question, you know, do we do we pay taxes to Caesar or not? They were trying to say, do we acknowledge, can you acknowledge Caesar and acknowledge God at the same time? Jesus knew what they were trying to do and said, pay your taxes to Caesar, but worship God. Um, you know, later the, uh, the, the Jewish leaders would tell Pilate that Jesus was setting himself as, up as a king greater than Caesar. It was a big deal to say anyone was greater than Caesar, but Christians were saying Jesus was. And when they would not worship Caesar, they were executed. But those executions that people witnessed um, became kind of the fertile soil of Christianity because the people in Rome, the people in Israel, uh, the people in Syria, the people all over the Mediterranean basin saw people believe in something um, so powerful that they were willing to die for it. And when they saw that, that witness, that martyrs, what we call martyrs um, or martyrdom, um, became a great testimony of how how deeply somebody believed something in their heart for faith. And yeah, you you look at a guy like John McCain, who you know spent five years, I think, in a Vietnamese prison camp. They offered to let him go, um, you know, as as really a propaganda deal. They were trying to show that he was a good day, good guy because his dad was the commander of the entire kind of Pacific fleet, and he refused to go because there were others who had been held longer than him. He stayed years longer in imprisonment than he needed to. And and when Americans, especially Americans of that generation, who respected the soldier so much more than sometimes Americans of our generation do, when they saw him be willing to sacrifice for someone else. They said that's a, that's a great American. Uh, 2,000 years ago, when the world saw a Christian be willing to suffer for Jesus, they said there's something to that, and it drew the attention of the world, and eventually the church blossomed then under persecution, and if you look at where the church is blossoming today, uh, where it is hardest to be a Christian, you see the deepest forms of Christianity because the witness of the martyrs, the, the martyrdom, um, says this is worth living for. Anything worth dying for is worth living for. So let's get really deep in our faith and move forward with Jesus. The key question for this week that you um, you gave to us was this, where does Satan have his throne in your life? Um, when you said that this week, I was reminded of, of, of the movie Elf where Buddy says, you sit on a throne of lies. Um, actually, the <laughs> That's question... That's a great movie. <laughs> it's a really good movie. Um, Really, the question you asked is a very good question. Where does Satan have his throne in your life? Maybe you just take a brief moment to explain where that connection to the throne or Satan's throne is from your message, just a brief moment. And then for us personally, what are some clues to help us identify those areas of our life where Satan still has his throne, and how do we dethrone him? What are some simple strategies we can use to dethrone him? Yeah, it's a great question. So, you know, um, God told the church at Pergamum that that the throne of Satan— sat there. We really don't know exactly what that means. It could be the throne of Zeus. Um, it could be another one of the thrones they had. It could be the temple they had to Caesar worship. Not totally sure what it was. We just know that there was a mixture there um, of trying to mix Christianity with culture. Uh, he said that the throne of Satan, you continue to follow the teachings of Balaam. Um, you know, Balaam tried to get the Israelites. He, he knew they couldn't, he knew he couldn't get them not to worship God. 
So he tried to get them to worship God plus. Worship God plus do everything that everyone else is doing. Same thing with Nicholas um, and the Nicolaitans. Nicholas was one of the original seven deacons of the church who clearly the church saw as a great servant. Uh, but he began to teach basically if you'll serve God and do the things the church does, you can live like the world too. It's no big deal. So, so I asked the question, hey, where in your life do you see the throne of Satan? Where in your life do you see you serving Jesus but also pursuing the world in equal measures? You know, John said that anyone who loves the world, or James said anyone who loves the world can't be a friend of God. John said don't love the world or the things in the world because the things of the world will pass away. So I would say anything that competes with your commitment to Jesus on a daily basis could be someplace Satan has his throne. It could be as simple as sleep. I can't get out of bed to read my Bible every day. It could be something as simple as Netflix. I've got a a spare 45 minutes where I could get into the Word and pray, but I've got to watch my favorite episode of, of Netflix. It could be something as simple as Fortnite for kids. You know, I don't have time this week to do my devotions or to go to youth group, but I spent four hours on Fortnite. It could be um, as complex as your job or relationships. Um, you know, I'd like to spend more time serving in church, but I'd really rather hang out with my friends on Saturday. Anything that competes with the basic Christian commitments of spending time with Jesus every day, being a part of God's church, serving in God's church, giving to the kingdom of God. Anything that's in competition with those are places where you could phrase it this way, where maybe Satan sits on a throne. Um, you could say those are places where Satan has a foothold. Those are just places in your life where you've got some spiritual work to do. Um, you know, I've got them in my life. You have them in your life. Everyone who's listened to the podcast has areas where things are competing for our love and our time with Jesus that is where the throne of Satan is trying to build itself in our lives. So last question today, it's going to take me a bit to set it up, Pastor Christian, but um, I think it's very important. Um, Jesus encouraged the church at Pergamum with a blessing. Um, in Revelation 2, verse 17, he writes, To the one who is victorious, I will give some hidden manna, and I will give that person a white stone with a new name written on it. I, I love this thought you highlighted in your message that God gives us a new name. Would you take a moment to encourage the person listening right now who is struggling with their past? Maybe they continue to wear a label or a name they they have used or are using to identify themselves today. Maybe it's unworthy. Maybe it's alone. Maybe it's ashamed or unlovable or unforgivable. Could you encourage them today through this podcast? Well, yeah, the, the truth of Scripture, you know, I try to every day pray on the armor of God, and the first piece of the armor of God is the belt of truth. Right, You just have to tell yourself the truth. So what does Scripture say about every person who's listening to this podcast? Scripture says that you are known by God. Scripture says that you were created by God. Scripture says that you can be called by God. Scripture says that you are loved deeply by God. So loved, in fact, that He gave His Son uh, for you so that you could have life. Scripture says you are forgiven if you will accept the love of God. Scripture says that you can be cleansed. Scripture says that you can hold gifts inside you that were placed there because there are good things in your life you're supposed to do if you begin to follow Jesus. And life may put all kinds of labels on you. And listen, we we don't want to ignore those because if we ignore our prior labels, then we can't fully bask in grace um, but for someone who was un, unloved or feels unlovable, God loves you. And if you could realize that, um, you, you could accept that gift. You could understand the grace and mercy of God. 
There are some listening who are divorced, but there's a great next chapter because of grace and mercy if you will lean into Jesus. There are some people who have committed you know, terrible acts. The apostle Paul said he, he was a murderer. He's like, you know, I killed people. But because of that, the grace of God means that much more to me. By the grace of God, I am what I am, and his gifts to me weren't without effect. It was like, I just, I am who I am, but because of what God has given me, I'm different, and he's changed me. And I think what we've got to realize, whether Abram becoming Abraham, or Sarai becoming Sarah, or Jacob becoming Israel, or Simon becoming Peter, or Saul becoming Paul, there's an upgrade in your life when you begin to follow Jesus. There's a new name written for you in eternity on a white stone, but there's a new nature, there's a new creation, there's a new pathway, there's a new future. All of that comes with Jesus. You have to lay down your old life first. That's the act of baptism, right? I want to put the old one under the water. The new one is going to come out and walk. But we're, we're reminded in Revelation chapter 2 that if we will overcome, if we'll have ears to hear and we'll overcome, and we'll kind of dethrone Satan in those areas of our lives where he might be holding on right now, not only will we receive the hidden manna who is Jesus. He said, I am the bread who's come down from heaven to feed your soul. But you will get that new name, new nature, second chance um, at life, new future. But you, but you have to hold on to Jesus and begin to follow him. Pastor Christian, thank you for that encouragement today. And I have thoroughly enjoyed this series through the seven churches in the book of Revelation. So thank you for leading us in that, Pastor Christian. And we want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We pray that we have helped you draw closer to Jesus and to pursue him closely in your life. We look forward for you to join us next time on the Activate Podcast, where we challenge you to build a faith that is active. Thank you for listening to Activate with Pastor Christian Newsom, a podcast of Journey Church International. If you are ever in the Kansas City area, we would love for you to join us for one of our Sunday worship experiences. You can find out more information about JCI on our website at takethejourney.cc. If you have enjoyed this podcast, please show your support by subscribing, rating, and reviewing on iTunes or Google Play. We would love for you to help us get the word out about this resource. Don't forget to share this episode with all your friends on social media. Thanks again for listening, and we will catch you next time on the Activate Podcast.